0: Well, good morning or afternoon, uh, whatever time of the day you're listening to this. Uh, I'm Rick Woodham with Tagit, and welcome to another installment of our Game Changer series. For those of you, this is your first time to join us. Well, welcome. And for the rest of you, welcome back. If you're a new listener, uh, a new listener to the podcast, our, our primary objective to this series is really to provide global views on sort of what's happening around the world in digital for financial services. And, and I'm, I'm really keen to, to talk to the guests we have today uh, because I think Sheldon's going to bring a very interesting perspective from a technology perspective around uh, the area of digital. So my hope is that you'll hear something that kind of sparks an idea for you or helps you in your own digital journeys because it's a really a very fast-paced environment we work in today. So, you know, at Taggart, uh, this is really a core uh, foundational principle for us in, in helping banks define their digital strategies. So, Uh, It's an area where we we love to spend a a lot of attention. So in today's session, we're joined by Mr. Sheldon Goh. So Sheldon is actually the industry director of Microsoft's worldwide financial services group. He's a regular speaker in industry forums and he represents Microsoft as a thought leader uh, on innovations and trends that shape financial services, especially in Asia. At Microsoft, he's part of a team that is focused on helping industry champions in their digital transformation journeys He leads the risk and compliance chapter for Asia uh, and works to grow the competency business and ecosystem for Azure uh, cloud uh, adoption, which I'm keen to talk about uh, again today, uh, along with uh, areas around artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, for risk and compliance. So Sheldon, uh, welcome and thanks for joining us today.
1: Hey, Thanks, Rick, for the elaborate uh, introduction about
0: myself. <laughs> well, it's uh, uh, it's really a pleasure to to have you here and pleasure to get to know you a bit. So if it's okay, I've got about 42 questions I'd like to ask you, and we'll try and get this done in a reasonable amount of time.
1: Oh, well, we, we can certainly aim for that, yeah.
0: <laughs> so listen, why don't we start with... Um, You know, I I mentioned to you before we started, I've been around a while and, you know, Microsoft has not historically uh, been at the top of mind for banks as a technology partner, but but there's really been a shift uh, over the last many years in terms of mindset with Microsoft in the financial services space. Uh, And and, and you guys seem to be making great progress in this sector. So what do you believe some of the key areas of strength are uh, for Microsoft that you're bringing into the financial services space today?
1: Well, I think our key areas of strength is a strong leadership with a strong focus on trying to enable every human being and every organization on the planet to achieve more, right? Mm -hmm. And we started by building industry team with the relevant experience from the industry and also the culture so that we can remove any barrier to understanding the challenges of what's facing the industry, right? And how to enable them to better apply technologies of today to solve the problems of today and also to create a new frontier of doing business. And, and as a whole itself, our aim is like the same as our clients in the financial service industry is overall to make life better for everyone. And our industry execution really starts with a very clear point of view, right? On what the industry is looking for and the use of industry scenarios to build a robust industry cloud that serves as a foundation for all our clients to create a unique infrastructure that enable their business to grow in a modern workplace and also in the client expectation that they are facing every day.
0: So, so, you know, Sheldon, one, one of the areas where I've really seen a lot of activity from Microsoft, uh, especially globally, is with uh, what, what Microsoft has done with Azure. Uh, and, and I can tell you from a product vendor perspective, uh, I continue to talk to many banks uh, who are seriously looking at Azure as an option for their, their cloud infrastructure. So uh, I, I guess maybe... Uh, you know, when I look at Microsoft and I look at uh, the fact that you guys are, are doing some really interesting things with the cloud, and uh, I know when you signed FIS as a preferred vendor with their new next gen banking, uh, there are many examples similar to that uh, across the industry uh, that have really started to give uh, Microsoft a bit of credibility with Azure. Uh, so, so how are you sort of working with banks and regulators to really push the cloud? And, and as an extension to that particular question. Uh, One of the things that we're also seeing with banks that are looking seriously at at, uh, native cloud deployments is really trying to understand the cost dynamics around around that. Because uh, I think for so many years, there's been a natural assumption that just moving to the cloud would have an immediate savings to a bank from an infrastructure perspective. And while for some banks that's true, that won't be true for every bank. And so I'm kind of keen to sort of get uh, your view on on sort of the, the cost and ROI elements of the cloud as well. So what's happening with uh, Microsoft and Azure today?
1: Right, right, so definitely we have seen a big increase in the confidence from the adoption of Azure over the pandemic and more as we exited the pandemic as well. So we have many significant new partnership, like one of them that you mentioned, with global financial institution as well as software application providers. And what we really do together is to really harness the benefits and the value of Azure collectively uh, for not just the clients, but also for our, for, uh, of our software partners. Um, and what we've seen in America and Europe, right, is that we have most of the FSI client already being on our cloud. And in mm-hmm. Asia itself, we have instances of approval from regulators approving uh, the financial institution in their territory or country to move their workload onto the cloud as well. And I know that this trend will continue to grow as we continue to support our partners and our clients on this journey, uh, even through the regulatory approval process. Yeah. And in Asia itself, on a focus on uh, you know the the regulator sentiments about uh, you know whether they allow uh, you know to move to the cloud. Uh, We have actually come a long way with this, uh, you know, trying to support the growth um, and understanding of what the cloud brings and what are the security concerns, etc. So we do hold a regulatory uh, summit every annually or semi-annually, depending on the situation. Um, And then, uh, so the objective of this summit, right, is to regularly connect and collaborate with regulatory bodies in the region uh, to understand their concern, to hear their feedbacks, and also to provide insights and compliance information. And uh, effectively, we are trying to create, or we have created a feedback loop uh, in order to propel our own uh, compliance leadership within the industry itself. Um, So just a matter of figures, right? Over the last eight years, we have engaged more than 120 regulatory bodies uh, throughout the world, and we remain as a leader when it comes to driving global regulatory changes and providing uh, this built-in, um, compliance capabilities to help our clients uh, and our partners to meet the um, the, the, the regulatory requirements, right? Um, and in terms of the cost, um, definitely what we've seen and what we always advocate is that you probably will not see an immediate cost when you compare it, you know, according to what you have right now. Uh, in your existing infrastructure. But what we what we saw and we hear from our clients is that most of them realize that the value of cloud is in terms of scale and in terms of managing the entire infrastructure. So mm-hmm. we are not just looking at just, uh, you know, the, the system, the, the hardware versus the cloud technology and everything else, but we are also looking at the ease of managing, the ease of scale, right? So traditionally, if uh, one of our clients has already... Uh, subjected themselves to purchase a certain amount of hardware that is uh, projected to hold the workload for, like, for example, a period of five to uh, five to seven years, right? Um, but usually what we saw in the last couple of years, uh, pretty evidently, especially driven by pandemic, where there's so much data being generated because there's so many transactions being done digitally, uh, what happened is that those hardware can no longer... Uh, you know, fulfill the workload that is uh, that it was previously being projected, right? So this resulted in in huge costs. In fact, trying to uh, fill the gap that was created, right? So yeah. the value of cloud is definitely much more evident right now. With most of our um, clients already realizing uh, the cost savings and also the value, the higher value of being able to do business in a very different way, right? And at the same time, they are able to centralize their Um, talents which is also another big issue uh, in the industry itself is to find the right talent to to grow the right talent and to retain the right talent but with the advent of our cloud technology uh, we are seeing this workforce being shaped up you know and we are continuing to support uh, you know our clients and also our partners uh, to build up this um, uh, competency and proficiency right uh, in the technology that we provide in the ecosystem as well. Therefore, uh, we see ourselves very much as a partner and an ecosystem provider uh, You know, at this moment.
0: So it's interesting, Sheldon, that you mentioned the skill sets in the workforce because over the last year or so, we've had a, a few C-levels uh, on the podcast and, and several of them have made references to while they're quite keen on the cloud technologies, uh, th- this whole set of cloud technologies has really created a whole new skill sets a set of skill sets as it relates to uh, operations, and uh, you know, just that, that, the whole skill set around managing uh, cloud environments. If a bank doesn't use a, a partner to do that, and they're they're talking about sort of the vacuum that's been created in the market today, uh, because at the moment these skills are in very high demand and very short supply. Yes.
1: So, um, so we have been helping our clients to first. Um, Letting them know that we have a program that is suited for every one of them, not only for them, but also for their organization. And most of this we provided it for free. You know, so we do have free training programs that, that, that we provide to every of our clients who are interested, right? Uh, and according to the different roles that they are setting up, be a data scientist, a architecture, uh, a, a, like a system architect, uh, you know, cloud specialist, etc. Right. Uh, we have all these different training roles that is being provided as part of our training program. Um, but I do understand one thing is that as I speak to each and every of these partners and also our clients, I found out that, hey, you know, many of them doesn't even know that we have this program that is being offered. <laughs> and therefore, a lot of the C-levels are quite surprised when I mention to them that, hey, you know, uh, we, we, we provide this free free program for you and your guys. Uh, you just yeah. have to let me know who you, who, uh, who, who you have in there, uh, how many people you intend to train. And then we have a special team you know, that is able to help you to kind of uh, provide an education uh, according to where you want to set up and the competency center that you want to set up. So that is one major side. And one key thing I would say that uh, the unique value about what Microsoft Azure, right, as compared to other providers in a cloud space is that we are actually the more friendlier technology Uh, towards users, right? So we kind of want to always blur the lines between uh, whether you're a technology-trained person, highly-skilled technology-trained person versus an end user who are trying to be proficient at these skills, right? And Mm -hmm. I I think that this might remind you back into your, your days in using Microsoft, right? Like you mentioned earlier, uh, in the early days, you were using a DOS prompt, and then later on, yeah. what happened is that uh, yeah, yeah. Microsoft is always talking about what you see is what you get. And, and we always advocated the same kind of product features and also development uh, in mind, right? And we have the end users in mind when we develop our solutions. So I would say that uh, in, in a very short summary, right, this is how I see us, you know, trying to, um, you know, move towards enabling everyone and every organization on the planet. Yeah.
0: So, so I'm smiling a little bit because uh, I I appreciate you telling everybody I'm old enough to know about (laughs) DOS. So (laughs) that's been many years ago, right? So, so Sheldon, I'll I'll also tell you this: it it does make me feel pretty good because one of the uh, about something you said, right? Because you know we're a a much smaller company than Microsoft, uh, and even we struggle with uh, with being sure that our messages are always out and clear. Uh, and it makes me feel good that companies the size of Microsoft uh, at times could struggle with that as well because things in this space are just so fast-paced that it's really hard to disseminate so much information to so many places and so many people in a short amount of time. Uh, and I think that's you know one of the things we're trying to accomplish with these podcasts is to you know to sort of bring some of these things to light. But but it is a, a common problem whether it's Microsoft or Target or other companies. There's just so much going on. It's really hard to stay current uh, for sure. So let me uh, let me switch gears a little bit if I can. Uh, I love talking about the cloud. Uh, but I'm really keen, uh, especially with this next topic because there's a a lot of buzz at the moment uh, around open API's chat GPT. And, and I can tell you even even uh, on the product side in Taggett, uh, we're starting to, sort of take the journey around what does it really mean to have that kind of technology, uh, whether it has to do with training or uh, product knowledge or, or whatever, right? But we're kind of starting that journey about where this might fit. So uh, Microsoft did an announcement not, not too many weeks or months ago uh, about the inclusion of some of the open API technologies uh, uh, in, in your Microsoft offerings. So, so how do you envision this uh, and how does Microsoft envision this sort of technology and how it might help the financial services sector today?
1: Right, right. So um, we can't really predict the way that how ChatGPT will be used to help our clients, but we do know there are, you know, boundless and limitless ways that you can help them in every department and every business unit and every channels that they are using um, to communicate or to engage with their clients. But I can give you some insights of some of the ways that I know that our clients are exploring. Uh, to deploy this uh, groundbreaking technology if I can call it right um so in America and also Australia uh, we have learned that uh, some of the lenders are exploring to use chat GPT uh, to prompt the call centers uh you know um, agents uh to on what questions to ask and also the appropriate letter to dispatch to the customer when the conversation is being done right so this is one of use cases that we have seen Um, and a powerful chatbot will also help uh, you know employee in every situation to create background material to make conversation with business uh, much more productive right so as a as a bank employee many a times you do not know what to anticipate you can't prepare uh, the right materials with the right information at the right time right so chat gpt is a way that i think that whoever that tries it already knows the power of it And when connected to the right channel, uh, the right data sources, and also the right, uh, you know, type of information surrounding around uh, entities, right, you are able to retrieve uh, a very structured way uh, of uh, formulating those uh, information to be communicated. And we also have other use cases that we have seen and exploring with uh, with our clients. Like for example, in corporate banking, uh, we are exploring uh, using the technology to create summaries of co- uh, corporate customers, be it for financial review or for approval of new tenants right. And uh, mm-hmm. we are also hearing that investment banks uh, are thinking about using it to construct pitch book based on conversations recording uh, you know on uh, Microsoft teams as well, mm-hmm. which is also one of our uh, cloud technology. So basically what we see here is that uh, you know it breaks any barriers to access to information. And it also requires uh, very little to no technology skills at all. So this is what I also mentioned to you about, right? Uh, at the core of what we want to do and our vision and our, uh, you know, what we really stands for is to enable everyone.
0: Yep. So so I, I'll tell you, uh, I've been quite encouraged by the activity around chat GPT and not so much about the technology, mm-hmm. but, and my colleagues that work with me get so tired of hearing me talk about this, but, but I'm a huge proponent of conversational capabilities. And when you think about what it means to have conversational capabilities in any context, even whether it's your your banking context or retail, whatever it is, right? I mean, there there are several things that have to take place in order for a conversation to occur. And and part of that has to be context around what you're talking about. And, And one of the things that we're now seeing, especially when it comes to sort of the AI and machine learning foundational technologies, is there's enough data now to really start providing that context so that I can truly engage conversationally. Now, I envision this uh, very much in the banking sector as, you know, what, what the industry has called conversational banking now for a few years, which is really nothing more than chat bots on steroids, right? Uh, but I truly envision the day, and this is where I laugh because people are so tired of hearing me this, say this. But uh, I truly believe that, that the day will be or in not the too distant future where I will have a Jarvis type of experience from Iron Man with my bank. That level of conversational capability, I just don't think we're a decade away from that any longer. I really think it's just not too far around the corner. I think chat GPT as a technology is starting to show the very basics of what that capability could look like. So I'm really encouraged.
1: Yeah, so I, I can also share with you that I've seen wondrous um uh, you know software applications uh, that deploy AI, uh you know in the in the areas of voice, uh and then we, we even have uh you know essence being built into those voice so you can have a Cantonese speaker, uh you know that 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 is speaking to a computer and you don't even know that it's a computer because all the essence are being built in, uh and then also especially in the Asia region where you have so many multiple languages. We have so many different dialects in the countries, right? So some of the major development that we have seen is that how real this gets. So I'm amazed, you know, by what we have done together with our partners uh, and also with our clients, because without all these, uh, I would say, ideas and and targets in in order to make life better for our consumers, right? We won't be embarking on all this journey that is creating such a big, uh, I would say, uh, transformation for our industry.
0: So, so now that we've established I'm old enough to know about DOS, you can imagine uh, how much change I've seen over the last 40 years uh, in technology. So it's, it's really, I just think it's a great time to uh, to sort of be alive when it comes to the technology space. So so listen, I, I, I promise I won't ask you 42 questions. So why don't we wrap up with my last question? How about that? Uh, and I'll make it a bit open-ended. I, I tend to ask most of our guests uh, similar questions because I'm always keen to sort of hear what your outlook Uh, might be for technology. So what do you think, uh, maybe at a macro level, some of the key technology trends uh, and areas are that we need to be looking out for in the financial services sector over the next year or two or three?
1: Sure, so some of the technology that I know that uh, currently is influencing a lot of the banking institution as well as other financial institutions uh, in the area of automation, machine learning, and also uh, on open AI. So for automation itself, uh, you know, we continue to see success for many of our clients in deploying RPA, uh, which is also known as robotic process automation, uh, which utilize technology to automate and streamline processes so that the human resources can focus on tasks that require expert um, judgment and intelligence. So many of these operational process that was previously done manually are being replaced uh, and enhanced by RPA. And these processes are working seamlessly and benefit the consumers who enjoy uh, a more efficient and feel-free customer experience, right? So that's one of the areas. And then we also see that there's a huge trend of deploying machine learning models nowadays, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and all these machine learning models are being deployed uh, uh, to to quantify and also to kind of uh, build risk models to enable business application to detect uh, and approve right, Uh, certain applications to make the integration between systems, different systems, faster and much more secure. And most Mm -hmm. of it behind the scene, it reduces most of the complexity and the cost of managing those complexity, right. And lastly, in the area of open AI, which is seen in the recent uh, interest, huge interest in chat GPT, right, where open AI continue to remove the boundaries between data system and people, uh, you know, from all levels of technical expertise, right, and and the objective is really to harness and to utilize the power of information, which, which should be made for free for everyone, uh, according, of course, to privacy laws, and we have to respect, you know, all the privacy law and responsibility, and therefore, we have the area of responsible AI, which we are also one of the champions for responsible AI as well. And uh, one final technology area that I want to highlight that I've seen and is also really important is in the area of risk and compliance, because mm. that will continue to be a key area that we all need to be very focused on. As we become more digital and our life is you know, be, being intertwined with more digital uh, applications, right? new types of risks are arising and will continue to arise and we need to continue to manage them to ensure that our clients and our consumers are protected you know, from adverse effects of all these risks.
0: The, the space we're in today is a bit of a two-edged sword. I mean, it, it just, uh, it has, and not necessarily from a risk perspective, but especially the data privacy you mentioned, right? So much you can know about people and, and uh, so much that's floating around today. Well, listen, so Sheldon, this has been great. Uh, it's been uh, good to get to know you a little bit. Uh, And uh, I I believe your insights and some of the things that Microsoft uh, is doing today uh, will be very beneficial to those listening to the podcast. So really appreciate your time today.
1: Well, thank you, Rick. Thanks for, you know, not not giving me 42 questions.
0: (laughs) Next time. I'll save something for next time. All right. All right. Thank you very much, Sheldon. Thank you.